Wahoo Beach face savers, unless somebody real wants to sponsor us, this is Boy Meets World Fever. I'm your host, Cameron. And I'm one of your other hosts, Chance. Hey, Cameron. Hey, Chance. How are you doing? I'm good. I was just waiting on you to get started there. Uh, it's true. I told you we needed to banter before. And you're just too tired to yeah, know to banter. Tired. Cameron is in grad school. Uh huh. We made it through one week, which in the summer is like one month. Yeah. It goes pretty fast. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I can imagine. I mean, I was in summer school at one point, but never grad school summer uh-huh. school. It's great. I don't want to brag. It's okay. It's not that bad. It's just a lot. A lot of work. A lot of work. That and your two little boys mm-hmm. having a having a great summer. Mm-hmm. Just living it up. Haven't done that much. So, oh, how are you surviving the current uh, chaos of the world? Oh, you know, we just, um, I mean, we stay home. It's not not that exciting. He, Our oldest <coughs> son, he's four. He goes and plays across the street with the two boys that are over there. One of them's eight and one of them's six. Yeah. So they, have I mentioned that on here before? I don't think so. But that's pretty fun to see him doing that. Aw. Playing with the older kids. Uh-huh. That's always fun. Uh, we are still in the midst of a national uh, crisis i suppose mm-hmm. uh protests everywhere uh so we are we do want to acknowledge those people we want to say again um like we said on twitter hey listen to a listen to a podcast created by some black people or some native people or some asian people like elevate the voices of people of color right now uh-huh. i think it's something we believe in i've been listening uh to bra meets world uh it's a delightful podcast i'm maybe seven episodes in um they're probably way more talented than us i'm always gonna think that's not that hard to do no definitely not uh we've actually been in some contact with them we're hoping to do like a collab episode so that'll be fun yeah we'll see um but yeah so we just want to make sure that we're still putting that out there, that Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. that uh, institutional racism is not okay. I really slurred that word, but you knew what I meant. I, I picked up what you were putting down. Yeah, and it is just like, it's a systemic problem, like we said, which requires big systemic solutions, not just, you know, a few weeks of putting it out in front of people, but like prolonged effort. And so we want to be a part of that. Yep. We're, we want to be an escape. We want to be a fun place to talk about uh, a great 90s show that had an interesting history with race that we can get into way later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also want to make sure we're putting it out there. Hey, read books written by people of color. Like, I just started uh, Rage of Dragons by Evan Winters, which has been on my list for a while. Uh, but I really wanted to read a person of color author. Uh-huh. And so far, it's very good. I may be yeah. a fourth of the way in. I've recently, like within the past year, read um, Children of Blood and Bone. Oh, yeah. Tommy Adeyemi. Yep. Um, I read the audio or listened to the audiobook of it actually. And it's I fantastic. I listened to the audiobook of that too. It was pretty good. It was uh-huh. pretty good. It's a good story actually, really um, relating to current times, which is like the authors expressed that was her intent, mm-hmm. talking about like police brutality and abuse of power, um, but said in this like magical uh, universe kind of world more influenced by African mythology and history than European. African fantasy. Yeah. Uh, Rage of Dragons is also African fantasy written by a a black author. Um, He creates a whole like military structure Mm -hmm. for this kind of pseudo African nation. It's really, it's really neat. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they have a cool magic system in there. So highly recommend those books to you guys. I'm a sucker for a cool magic system. Yeah. You kind of worship at the altar of Sanderson a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, he does a pretty good job. Uh, Not who we're talking about right now. No. Now we will continue with uh, Boy Meets World now that we have... um, Really done the least possible we could do to elevate black voices. Uh-huh. Um, but yes, again, get out there and support people of color. That's that, sure. 
that that is the end of our PSA. Let's have some fun talking about two pretty good pretty episodes. Good. Not quite as good as the last three, I think. Yeah. But still like good quality for season one. Yeah, I think um I, I think the first episode we're gonna talk about, we're gonna be a little bit more positive on. I don't think we'll be negative about either. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, so uh the first episode that we'll get into is episode 119, Kid Gloves. Um, I'll go ahead and handle this first summary. All right. Uh, so Corey is 12, not to skip ahead to the timeline section. And uh, he needs to join a club. He picks the Scuba Club. Uh, wacky shenanigans ensue before Scuba Club. Um, and his dad gives him a... Uh, gift that he does not understand the significance of he loses said gift during scuba club goes to find it and gets into some trouble yeah not even just a setup that was like front to back here's how it goes i liked it i was trying to get a whole summary Mm -hmm. um it's a weird episode it's a good episode i think yeah it is it's something a little weird about it but it is good i think just to start before we even start talking about it we're back to dealing a lot with the family Mm -hmm. both of these episodes deal pretty heavily with the family yes like of the two Two plots that kind of run through each episode. One of them is really centered on the family. Yeah. Um, the others are centered on the other students, and I think those plots are very good. Yes. In both episodes, just a, a lot of fun. But then the heart of both episodes and kind of the moral and the theme of the episodes takes place with the family. Yeah, um, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, though I think Kid Gloves, um, it's maybe a 50-50 split uh, with dealing with the family and dealing with the school a little bit more. The The heart of the episode, you're right. Mm-hmm. The, the moral, how it all ends, is definitely um, with the family. But we split our time. Maybe call it 60-40. Yeah, 60-40. It's not bad. I feel like if season one had struck the balance of Kid Gloves, I feel like season one would be a better season. Mm-hmm. Spending more time with the kids. Because I, I mean... Not to jump ahead but when they are in that 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 first um school scene learning about all the clubs it's my absolute favorite like school scene of the entire show Uh, i also just love when they're getting ready before scuba club yeah and just like the banter back and forth of the four main kids yeah it just feels really good yeah, like I said back in Model Family, that's what I am here for. That's is the moneymaker right Those there. four. And Sean having a personality. You don't realize how much of this show he doesn't have a personality. How much of this show he is kind of static. Kind of um, just there for Corey's sounding board. And when Sean has a personality, like in The Fugitive, like in Model Family, and like in this one, those are the big ones that I really think of. Mm-hmm. Man, he just shines. He does. He does. He just shines. He works great off of Minkus. Topanga works great off of everybody else Mm -hmm. as being kind of you know the girl um yes the girl character and i just think when that's happening but i really do that that first scene um of this episode which we'll jump into but i just i love it i love that scene i think it's my favorite classroom scene Mm -hmm. everyone gets everyone gets a good moment and not only do i love these four kids i love them with feeny yeah they just have a really really good dynamic um and you see that like you said in this first scene where mr feeny's saying it's you get to choose an extracurricular activity which feels weird because it's like probably april <laughs> if i were to guess based on the time the episode's coming out um so here we are in april getting to choose an extracurricular maybe it's like we're finishing up elementary school we're just going to have this kind of shortened focus time to do something that maybe you might be interested in and want to pursue further because i could totally see that we've talked about doing things like that at my school it has never like happened mm-hmm. we've talked like what if we just did like maybe six weeks at the end of school where there's time for students to do some extracurricular type stuff 
Uh, and that's got to be it because I had the same question. I was like, okay, so we've talked a lot about whether or not these episodes were aired out of order, but we know this one has to be about here because it's referenced so much in the past mm-hmm. that Corey is 11. Yeah. Now that Corey has turned 12, like that that means this has to be on the timeline kind of where it is. Yeah, it isn't like the basketball episode where it's like, oh, I guess they're starting basketball in March. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is whatever. But it, yeah, there's a specific timeline moment of Corey's birthday and even a few episodes they go they said you're almost 12 yeah it's like this is where it has to go this isn't like a miss a misfire it's just like they're in the writer's room throwing darts maybe (laughs) they have a dartboard of just like school activities that could set up whatever's happening and they're just throwing darts at the board and they just landed on extracurricular activities clubs well and that's that's kind of my question because it then picking an extracurricular has almost nothing to do with anything why can't it just be like feeney gets up and announces that there's a dive instructor and he's get offering a special session for scuba or something because uh, they all choose it anyway yeah like why why the picking the extracurricular because that makes this feel really weird like uh-huh. you said you have to do some mental gymnastics like mm-hmm. well maybe it's I mean, like if you're thinking critically about it if you're just watching it to watch it who cares yeah yeah that's true and we are thinking critically about it for maybe the first time ever (laughs) um it's weird for sure um but a lot of great jokes upholstery squad is very funny Uh, idea i just love how feeney is puzzled by some of these options you know some of them he's like the debate team i forget what the other one was that mingus was trying to decide between a vocabulary club. yes vocabulary club of course he's like upholstery squad (laughs) and just has this puzzled look on his face just like who is coming up with these extracurriculars Uh, I'm going to um, lay my own ignorance bare. I'm not sure what upholstery is. It's like you could reupholster a chair and like put new fabric on it. So is it like, is upholstery just the act of putting fabric on On furniture? Like a 3D object, I guess. Like high stakes present wrapping. High stakes present wrapping. I'm really bad at present wrapping, so I would probably be really bad. You probably wouldn't do great at upholstery squad. Um, Who could? What sixth grader wouldn't pick scuba? That's I'm my question. We should, I would have loved if this episode would have taken place in the upholstery squad. <laughs> and Corey accidentally sews his silver gloves inside of a chair or something and has to go cut them out. With Eric's buck knife. Yeah. With Eric's buck knife. It's right there. Um, yeah. This is a, it's a weird setup. Upholstery Scott is a very funny idea. And uh, Minkus, I would choose Vocabulary Club or the debate team. I want to expand my horizons, my educational opportunities, and choose one of these two. And then... Kind of typical nerd programs, I guess. Yep. But then, the pretty girl, I want to do scuba. I want to commune with the creatures of the deep. <laughs> I love communing with the creatures of the deep. So, he, and then he replies, slap me in a web suit and call me throw me overboard and throw me overboard and just like oh minkus you're just too eager you just try too hard i i will support minkus and his crushes i mean yeah but he got he's got to lay off a little bit he lays it on super heavy i mean she's into it i i don't she never returns but she's encouraging yeah i guess she's not stringing him along yeah i hope she's not she doesn't seem the type no, she's definitely not. I, I think that she is encouraging his exploration of his uh, self-esteem, but she's also not, like, returning. She's not flirting back and uh, thus giving him a false sense of reality. Mm-hmm. So I think Topanga is doing a great job here. Uh, I mean, I relate to Minkus. I was really girl crazy, like I've said. Um, so, yeah, I get it. 
I get you, Minkus. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to probably this of Wait. Boy Meets World jokes. Okay. You are still in the classroom. Yeah, still in the classroom. Because you said cut to, and I was like, we, oh, can't, we can't cut. Cut to from right after him saying, slap me, throw me, slap me to Epstein, throw me overboard. Okay. We cut to Corey saying, probably a Boy Meets World jokes. One of the ones I think about the most, honestly. Where Mr. Feeney asks the class what <laughs> SCUBA, the acronym SCUBA, stands for. And he just, it's like, Mr. Matthews, what do you think? And Corey just goes, Duba? Scuba Duba. Uh, scuba Duba. And it's just like, uh, I've obviously failed you on so many <laughs> levels. Um, Did you relate to that pretty hard as a teacher? or Kind of. <laughs> Not to like, because I understand kids' backgrounds and are, are all very different. And so stuff they might know or assume about the world might be very different. But this school year, I had a student, we were talking about milk, like cow milk. Mm-hmm. And this student, she was like, wait, isn't milk just cow pee? <laughs> I'm just like, no, very much not. And I need to know that you know yes, that that's not the case. Yes. Yes. But I don't feel like I failed you on so many levels. Yeah, yeah, I I get that. Which is funny for him to say because we're like, oh, they have a fun relationship. And so you can kind of read it in that light. But if this was like your first moment, you'd be like, Feeny, dang. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Um, And then Sean, (laughs) something creepy under boat andy <laughs> and he's like that's worse than duba <laughs> it's closer to what an acronym is though yeah. and then we have a little mini arc for minkus just yeah, like it's so <laughs> weird i just was like this is a huge pivot from minkus starts the episode i want to expand my horizons academically i'm choosing the vocabulary club or the debate team mm-hmm. and then mr feeney asks him what is what does scuba stand for? And he's like, I don't want to be the smart kid anymore. I just want to be a regular guy. I'm going with Duba. And it's just like, what? And this is sweater vest Minkus. So this is vindictive Minkus. Mm-hmm. Like out for blood Minkus. And he's just laying down. I don't get it. The 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 same arc he had in uh, in uh, the fence episode. What's it called? Um, well, it wasn't the fence episode. It was the Geography B episode where he wears oh, the enormous right, right. pants. Yeah, Killer B. That's right. Uh-huh. So same arc he has, just mini. <laughs> it's just like instant. And then right back next scene that he's in, he's just normal Minkus again. Yeah, self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. Yeah, even right then, Mr. Feeney breaks him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I hate myself, <laughs> which was very funny. Maybe, maybe he is now heard about Corey and Topanga's kiss and kind of their little flirtatious like antagonism going on. And he's like, oh, she didn't react to my wanting to do scuba because of her. Maybe if I'm dumb like Corey, <laughs> mm-hmm. that'll do it. That'll, that'll win do her it. over. That's- I do have my first question of the episode, my oh. audience question as well. If you were to do an extracurricular club, what would you want to do? Like I, when you were in school? I mean, is scuba an option? I don't see why not, but the sky's the limit. Like like pick anything? What would you pick? I think it'd be fun. And I mean, I have with students before, like thinking as a teacher, like play D&D with my students, mm-hmm. like some of them. And like, that's been really fun to do. And I think as a kid, having a teacher that wanted to do something like that with me would be really cool. Um, it probably would have also been fun to not do something super physical just because again thinking elementary school like fourth fifth and sixth grade especially it was like super basketball we're gonna be sports and be dominant at everything and just like not feeling it but going along because it was a small school i didn't have a choice so like getting to do something else 
would have been cool. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a ton of extracurricular activities. I did uh, competitive speech and debate. Um, I, I really don't even know why. It's the only extracurricular I ever really participated in. Um, I... I'm going to give you past chance answer and current chance answer. Okay. Because there is no way in heck that past chance would not have done something water-based because girls. Mm. Let's just be honest. If there was a water option where I know, knew girls would be there, past just chance would pick that. Um, may, you know, in uh, college, there was an uh, extra class I always wanted to take, but never could find the time. Ballroom dancing? Stage fighting. Oh, yeah. That would have been so cool. Yeah. there was. I, I always, when I was looking at the course list, I was always like, stage fighting one and two. Two, let's do this. <laughs> Who has the money? Um, um, yeah, yeah, no joke. Um, but I could never fit it in, and even like it would have filled an elective that I needed, and um, like I could take it this semester, but then that class I would have another class at the same time. Mm, just the worst. So uh, I always wanted to do stage fighting. So maybe if I could do like a stage fighting kind of theater thing. That'd what about a water-based stage fighting? Oh, Cameron, that would have been my dream. Just the best of both worlds. That was Hannah Montana, that yes? Was Hannah Montana, yes. I w- was a little too old for that show. Me too, but I watched it anyway. Well, you had a little sister. I, I, we'll use that as the excuse, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I was uh, deep in the CW shows by that point. Ooh, and Scrubs. Ooh, edgy, edgy teenage shows. Well, it was still 7th Heaven, Gilmore Girls, and Smallville, so I don't know. <laughs> heaven they were but i see their happy faces but yeah Smiling. we're gonna transition to a seventh heaven podcast seventh heaven podcast i still remember the one where the dad got shot did he get shot mm-hmm. i remember the kid bringing the gun to school i don't remember it was in the church like he came to oh. the church and shot him in the shoulder okay i remember the one where the little boy the youngest son almost gets shot because the kid brings a gun to school he, he... i guess they really only had one scary plot point yeah in seventh heaven and that was gun violence which is a scary thing so i, I also it. remember in that show the olsen twins were the bad girls they were they they played like boy isn't that just the truth <laughs> that was that was a fun episode anyway not a seventh heaven podcast that was um, seventh heaven corner with chance and cameron seventh heaven corner with chance and cameron. come back next week to get some of our hot takes on lucy camden uh the prettiest camden by far jessica beals in that show she's married to justin timberlake maybe he come on the show give us some of his thoughts <laughs> just for this mini segment <laughs> Doesn't that doesn't seem like a reach <laughs> probably a lot of his tours and stuff have been canceled if he's going out and about so he's free uh, i mean with the way that man of the woods bombed i don't think he has tours anymore well he's definitely not coming on now chance <laughs> i'm uh, so sorry justin justin timberlake man of the woods was a bad album and you should be ashamed of yourself haters gonna say it's fake that was a yes <laughs> that was a reference to that album which i agree wasn't very good but the song with chris stapleton was pretty good i don't remember that one anyway chris this, carried it chris chris carried it though this is one of our biggest tangents ever in an episode we actually have stuff to talk about that's true <laughs> let's get back to it we have done the first scene yes we haven't even gotten to the box on the face yeah so after the credits Corey's sleeping eric's sleeping dad comes in what happens chance uh well he puts a box on his face um i feel like i would wake up if someone put a box on my face even though i am a very solid sleeper i feel like the face is a very like yeah, it's a sensitive area yeah but Corey, he's good he doesn't wake up do you find that you can sneak into your kids rooms without them waking up pretty easy mm-hmm. really that surprises the one me. especially the older one the younger one it's iffy but i feel like his door makes a little more noise 
when you open it. Mm. Okay, okay. I was just curious. But yeah, so he uh, pops into the room, puts a box on his face. Eric is very adamant about waking Corey up. Mm-hmm. Uses a megaphone. Yeah. Hey, Corey, there's a box on your face. Corey, don't wake up. There's not a box on your face. And Corey wakes up. Yes, there is. <laughs> you lie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't know why that joke's in there, but... It was all right. Yep. And I guess Eric's pretty excited. He comes over to sit on Corey's bed with him. Uh-huh. And well, how often do you wake up or you wake up with you or your brother to have a box on their face? Apparently one other time when uh, you think Eric put, was 12. Do you think he put it on his face? I don't know. It kind of seems like it, but I don't know. But maybe it's a Matthews thing. Maybe it's something they do in Pennsylvania. <laughs> the Pennsylvania box, box placing. Face tradition. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know if I had a student this last year who was from Pennsylvania, but it didn't come up. <laughs> how could it not? Man, I feel like I just got the short end of the stick. He raises his hand. Mr. Liner, why do you never give me my grades on my face? It was a she. Oh, okay. She was a she. Not an it. The student was a she. The student was a, was a she. Got it. Um, but yeah, so they get excited. They get excited about it being a buck knife. But uh-huh. apparently Eric is not that into his buck knife. Uh-huh. But they're excited about also, it being a buck Also, they're excited about it being a buck knife, but they make the point saying it was like their grandpa's buck knife. Yeah. So why would they have two grandpa's buck knives? Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. But Corey opens it. Yeah. And it is silver, silver mittens is what he says. But it's like yeah. two little silver gloves. Yeah, two little silver boxing gloves. Um, he doesn't realize they're boxing gloves yet. Yeah, which I don't know why because he has boxing gloves in his bedroom. He does. We've seen them. He does. Um, and they're on a very cool silver chain. Mm-hmm. The chain's very cool. And he is pretty disappointed. Sure. Why not? I mean, it makes sense that he is because he doesn't understand what the gift is. Yeah. Which the show makes the point because then we cut down to the kitchen and Alan's like, well, this morning your son's going to love me just a little bit more than you. Yeah. Um, and it's like all excited. And then Corey comes down and he's just like, oh, thanks. Yeah. They, they mean a lot. Really yeah. special. Wonderful. Thank you. And which, he's confused. Which again, confused. I don't know what Alan was thinking in the first place. Like what did he expect to happen? Uh-huh. Like you give this out of context gift that's a necklace and he's a 12 year old boy uh-huh like, without any explanation it's never come up before the reason for the gift which is a super cool reason that they exist true and that he has them we'll get to that but why has it not come up yeah why has it not come up why does Corey not know and for that matter even if Corey did know he'd still probably be faking excitement because uh-huh. but he could have a little he could do put on a little better show yeah um because I just don't, I mean, if you are out there and you think this would be a super cool gift for a 12-year-old boy, let me know. Tweet at me. But still, like, a 12-year-old boy, oh, cool, my dad's silver boxing gloves he won in the Navy. What am I going to do with this? <laughs> I mean, even later we see Sean's wearing a necklace, so it's not uncool Yeah, for Corey to be wearing a necklace. I, I don't know. I, I'm just saying, when I was 12, if it wasn't like toy or something like that, uh-huh. I didn't want it. you could it. play with or like a video game or something. Yeah, a toy, a video game, even some food would have been better than a necklace. Uh-huh. And then Morgan comes down. I feel like we haven't seen Morgan too much lately. No. Like she was in the episode, I guess she was just in the episode right before this a little bit with like playing tea party with Mr. Feeney, but she just felt really like back to her old antics. In this one, just being like, why was there no present on my head yes. this morning? <laughs> just like, why was there no present on my face? Yes. Uh-huh. And just like making a huge deal about it because I guess she used to get presents on her brother's birthdays. Yeah. But now they're like, you're a big girl and you're not. And she's like, well, why did you get him for me before? 
because we didn't want to hurt your feelings. My feelings are hurt now. And then she just like pouts off to her room. Yep. They've got to stay strong. Mm-hmm. Um, which is impossible for a dad to do for a little girl. I'm certain. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know either. But um, yeah, I feel like we've been seeing less and less Morgan. And even this episode, I feel like we have a lot less Morgan. And I think, man, I really do. I just think like, Lindsay Nixay, like the, whatever took her off the show, I think was just like kind of hitting. already feeling it yeah. at this point. Because I feel like we used to get a lot more Morgan. Mm-hmm. Less now. Grandma sure. was a Rolling Stone. She's in like every scene. Yeah. And it's wonderful in every scene. She is. You know, I've been listening to Brummeet's World and I really hope we can collab with them on something because they have such opposite opinions of us. They did not, they hated Killer B. They did not care for Grandma was a Rolling Stone. But they give like, they give the pilot episode like an A+. Plus. Mm. <laughs> so I love that different, different like. Kind of perspective on it. Perspective. It's great. Um, so I, I do hope we get to do something with them in the future. Uh, tweet at them. Make it happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, Morgan runs off. Yeah, so then we cut to the school. Mm. They're like, everyone's in their bathrobes. Yep. Apparently everybody's got bathrobes. Well, Sean's not in a bathrobe. Sean's in like a hoodie yeah. type thing. Looks pretty cool, but everybody's like geared up and all the kids in the background have bathrobes on too. They're like getting ready for scuba instruction. They're like the dive master's coming. Can't wait. Um, and Corey and Sean are talking about the gift. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of how weird it is. No, they don't do that right away. I guess it's not... Yeah, not right away. First, Sean makes fun of Corey for being a no definition in his muscles white boy. Mm-hmm. And then reveals... The whitest white boy. Yep. And then reveals his uh, muscle t-shirt. Muscle t-shirt makes a nice SNL reference. Yep. I have pumped, I pumped me, me up. up. Yep. <laughs> Which is good. And he's like, why are you wearing a t-shirt? Well, because if I don't, I, I look, look like, like you. you. And he takes the shirt off. It feels weird because when both of them took their shirts off, the audience was like, woo! See, you like, you notice the audience a lot more than I do, and I'm glad. It's just <laughs> uncomfortable. And even when Topanga takes her robe off and is wearing a swimsuit, there's a little bit. Oh, and I'm just is. like, this is very uncomfortable. So I did realize the audience when that happened, and someone in the audience goes, ow! <laughs> Oh like, you don't see me. My eyes just rolled back into my head. It is It is really weird. It is really weird. That being said, in the context of 12-year-olds, I get this. <laughs> but that's not 12-year-olds out oh, no, in no, the crowd. Not the audience. Not the audience. Yeah, we'll get to that because I think it's a, like a big moment yes. of still confusion. It's like, come on, these kids are 12. We'll get there. Yeah. So Topanga comes up. She says it's not very evolved to mock the human form. She's right. Mm, Nobody shaming here. Topanga is correct. It's hard not to do, but is correct. Uh, Is Topanga's hair bigger than ever in this episode? It's less like tight curls. I feel like it's just more volume. Yeah. Maybe because she knew she was going to be swimming, so she didn't put the effort in to do the other stuff yet. Maybe. I just, when she is, it's this scene specifically, she looks like she has so much hair. Like, they make fun of her for having a lot of hair in, like, other episodes at other times. But in this particular scene, it is mm-hmm. just... It's very apparent. Yeah. She it, does have a lot. It just looks a lot, like, a lot more. But she comes up, she mocks them, and then, uh... Or she she scolds them for mocking. And they go, well... So most people's bodies are the masterpiece of Mother Nature. But Minkus's is the masterpiece of Mother Goose. Uh-huh. To for which... some reason. He takes the cue... Of revealing his wetsuit, uh-huh. which is a very funny reveal. Uh-huh. Telling him he looks like a stick of juicy fruit, which he does. It's, it's true. It's true. And he's like, he takes off his robe and he's like, who's ready for a dip? <laughs> and then Sean just like, 
here he comes. <laughs> yep. And then they turn to Topanga, and it may be one of my favorite reactions in the entire show. Are you wearing a wetsuit too, Mother Nature? And she says, no. Takes off her robe. Is in a swimsuit. You got the owl from the crowd. <laughs> you got someone in that crowd going, ow! <sighs> Which... Yeah, and then the boys are stunned. Uh Uh-huh, like speechless. Yes. Which is, again, so strange. Like, they're like, Sean's like, come on, she's a girl. She's just a girl. Insult her. And then Corey's like, no, from now on, I'm going to be insulting you. (laughs) Yes. Just like, why is this the moment when you start, like, to catch feelings or whatever? I, you know, I get this, though. Like, if they were younger, I would get it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I understand. It's like, yeah. Oh, but they're 12. Yeah. They should have had that oh moment, I would think, sooner. Yeah. They are too old for this to be the first time they're having this realization i completely agree with that statement but the idea of like no from now on i'll be insulting you is maybe the most relatable thing Corey has ever said (laughs) biggest lesson (laughs) yes um so yeah it's very funny it's their reaction is very funny and then minkus though Topanga, you're beautiful. Just mm-hmm. right there. Just right there. Just like, thank you, Stuart. My superficial side thanks you. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so then the dive master is coming. Yes. And it's this big reveal. Turns out the dive master is Mr. Feeney. Yes. Of course. Who else? He's the only teacher that works at this school. Uh-huh. Only one. Everybody else was at the upholstery squad. Yep. <laughs> Can you blame them? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yes um so mr feeney comes in and they scream uh-huh. no not mr feeney <laughs> anything but that uh which is a great reaction um and he's like yes i have been a certified dive master for many years mm-hmm. uh and he it kind of fits with the whole aviator wearing fast driving mr feeney uh-huh also thinking like again was he in the military yeah. Because that could have been something, like, if he was also in the Navy or something. and having He to was learn. Alan's platoon leader in Ooh, the Navy. Oh, and then they become neighbors. Yes. Um, that's why they have a, a bit of an antagonism. He wasn't he wasn't a great platoon leader. And Alan was kind of a... A hothead. Oh, yeah. A hothead, kind of loose cannon. Really needed to have, like, a tight rein on him. Ah, let's see this prequel. Let's make this prequel happen. <laughs> um, Forget Girl Meets World. What happens later? We need Feeny Meets world where Feeney is literally traveling the world in the U.S. Navy and Alan is in his platoon. Yes. It's all right there. Agreed. We need it. So, yeah, the the scene, Feeney has them all partner up. Um, Of course, Sean and Corey partner up and Minkus and Topanga partner up because there's only four people in this entire... Uh The other kids aren't really there. Um, I would have done exactly what Minkus did. Just slide his chair over. (laughs) Gone straight for Topanga. That would have been me when were I 12. Um, And, yeah, we have a very funny moment that brings up a question that I have about the continuity of this episode and The Fugitive. Uh Sean is apparently a slob with stuff growing on the bottom of his... Uh, tub, bathtub and uh-huh. the whole did you brush your teeth this morning what depends what day is it? <laughs> i don't know what day is it is sean neat or is sean a slob mm, maybe he was just neat because he was born but he was like disgusted by Corey's like under his bed in his closet uh, i don't know if he was super disgusted but maybe then maybe I, I, don't, I don't even know. I, I, it's indefensible. I can't make it make sense. <laughs> maybe maybe Sean maybe Sean is only judgmental of other people's Sean messes. Sean contains multitudes. Yeah. This was my thought. Maybe Sean is just like, oh, other people are messy. He's fine with his mess. It's really hard to see your own issues from ins- 
inside of them. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, this is just an example of that. He's messy, but doesn't really realize it, or is maybe even proud of it. But yeah, can be judgmental of other people. But we do. This is again looking very, very far forward. Sean is a slob. Yes, like we see that later, big time. Yeah, we see it much later. So that fits more. I maybe the fugitive. Tidy Sean was just tidy out of necessity because he needed a space to be in and boredom because he's just all day, nothing to do. Yeah, maybe that's it. Normally he can fill his time, but he's on the run from Johnny Law. Yeah, I mean, in The Fugitive, he is still very judgmental of Corey's messiness. Mm -hmm. But we will, uh, I guess we'll give that to him. He's he's a complicated man. Um, But yes, Feeney's uh, respirator demonstration is very funny. We should just do that for the rest of the podcast. Mm -hmm. Anyway. (laughs) Sort of an ASMR (laughs) kind of video. We'll we'll put that out on uh, our YouTube channel, Boy Meets World ASMR. (laughs) Boy Meets World ASMR. Um, No. (laughs) Boy boy Meets ASMR. Boy Meets ASMR. ASMR weirds me out, so no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know why ASMR weirds me out. But, and then the next scene is Corey and Eric again. Uh Corey and Eric and their dad comes to explain. Mm -hmm. Or he's like, oh no, I've lost the gloves. Oh, who cares? I'll buy my dad some new ones. Yeah. It'll be no big deal. Um, He'll never know. And then Alan comes and explains the significance of the silver gloves. What is the significance, Chance? Uh, He was a boxer in the Navy, um, and one year he came in second in his entire weight division in the Navy. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't look to see if there's really boxing competitions in the Navy. We'll just assume that there is or was. Yeah. Apparently it was a very vicious fight at the end. Um, Alan was bleeding a lot. His eye was out of his socket. out of his socket. And he didn't realize that he had lost until they held up the other guy's hand. So maybe some brain damage there. Who knows? I don't know. He seems like a very competent and capable person. It's true. It's true. He's overcome those things. He's overcome his issues. I don't want to be ableist and say that a person that has been injured in such a way can't live a happy and productive life. Agreed. Um, So he tells this story and the boys are in shock, but the star of this scene is Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Eric just basically emotionally stabbing Corey Uh every every few words. Eric is so good here. He is. You hear that, Corey? Buckets. (laughs) There are buckets of blood. Buckets. And I, when I got them, I was very proud of them. But what I was most proud of was that someday I would have a son to pass them on to. And, and did, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny. It's like classic. I assume I don't have an older brother, but it's like the grief. You were an older Maybe. brother. That's true. The grief that an older brother gives. I haven't experienced it though. Again, just like Sean's messiness, it's hard to see from the inside. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so it was very funny. Eric just poking, uh-huh. <laughs> poking every few seconds. Yeah. Putting salt in the wound. Um, very funny. Very enjoyable to very enjoyable to watch. Um, and then the dad leaves. Alan leaves. Um, they have a conversation about the buck knife. Apparently, he like keeps it really wrapped up. And... Uh-huh. He's like, oh, I'm not really into it, but maybe my kid will be someday. Yeah, which is a very big thought for a 
16 year old town. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, and then Corey tells them he's going to Sean's. Well, uh, that it's a lie. We know, but don't, wouldn't you feel like Corey's like birthday dinner would be a bigger deal? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like his birthday is only to give him this thing. There's nothing other. There's nothing other like birthday celebration. Yeah. Which I just found kind of odd because it seems like they make a fairly big deal of birthdays. Maybe they don't. I guess Eric's birthday. Eric's, you don't see anything with that one either. Yeah, maybe they're just not a birthday family at this point. Or I feel like they become one. I feel like they become one too, but we don't know that yet. At this point, they're not a big birthday yeah, family. They just must be something else in Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's just out of necessity. You're another year older. Here's a present on your face. We're not even going to talk about why the present is significant. And good day to you. Good day. Um, dinner's at six. Dinner's at six. You don't have to be there, even though it's your birthday. Um, so yeah, I found that a little odd, but hey, whatever. So he goes to the Y, or well, I guess he's retracing all of his steps. The mm-hmm. Y is just part of the trip. Um, and the family goes downstairs to have dinner. Yep. What happened? Um, so the family's like, where is Corey? And Eric's like, oh yeah, he told me he went to, sh- he needed to go to Sean's house for dinner. And I just told him, go right ahead. <laughs> and they're like, so glad you took that upon yourself. And then all of a sudden there's a knock at the door. Guess who it is? It's Sean. <laughs> It is. It is, Sean. Because, of course, it's gotta be. Yeah, it all just falls apart. And um, they're like, Sean, what are you doing here? Of course, he's at your house. And Sean is like, I don't, I don't know. Eric, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, well, he sent Sean over. To see what we're having for dinner. To see if he made a good choice. Yep. And then, and then Sean's like, well, why didn't he just call? <laughs> and then Eric goes, Sean, you're hurting me. <laughs> Which again, very funny Eric moment. I just feel like this is a good kind of like scheming Eric is very good Eric. Yes. Uh, scheming and giving grief Eric. Uh-huh. Is very it's good. like that's the Eric I love and goofball Eric. But just the line, Sean, you're hurting me. Sean, you're hurting me. <laughs> And then Morgan's just like, pathetic. Yeah, Morgan's pathetic. And, uh, you know, Amy is a little, Amy's a little frazzled that mm-hmm. he's not there. But <laughs> Alan just goes, yeah, how's he going to survive in the world without a better cover story? Yeah. <laughs> Alan's good. Uh-huh. He just wants him to be better prepared. Better at lying. <laughs> We've already okay. determined lies are okay, as long as they make you feel good. <laughs> oh, yes, your, your whole... Once in love with Amy. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, it fits. Lies are okay if they make you feel all right. Uh, so then we cut to, we have like a point of view shot. It establishes a, like a gymnasium. And then we just see like underwater searching for things. Which is such a weird scene. Uh-huh. The whole scene is just strange. It's all first person from Corey's point of view. Mm-hmm. Well, it would just be really hard to show what they wanted to show doing a multicam perspective yeah like they normally do i agree with that but still like you'd think it'd be feeny like screaming at him and then he like comes into the shot kind of dripping wet or something like i just feel like this is a really weird shot because you would have you would have had to have taken a, a camera underwater mm-hmm. like and done and it was all one take there was no cut i don't know it was just yeah, a I very strange there, there shot. Are different times they would try different storytelling methods like the cory getting the barbecue chicken for mr feeny's house kind of like just this weird different kind of comedy they're trying to tell a story in a different way yeah what they normally do well i was wondering if this shot was a reference to something i have no idea i have no idea either um but it just i don't know it was a really weird shot not a bad shot the the doll on the brick Uh tied to the brick and thrown to the bottom of the pool yeah that that was very funny apparently no one cleans this pool after people are done Uh using it there's like toys in it there's a key in there yeah but yeah it was it was very funny it's just 
a really strange, mm-hmm. strange shot. Yeah. And so then you hear, Mr. Matthews, Mr. Matthews. And then Corey comes up and Mr. Feeney's just livid. Because yeah. he said, first rule of diving is you don't do it alone. Like you have to have a person with you. Which makes sense. Yeah. He's like, there's not even a lifeguard on duty. Like something could have happened. Which begs the question how Corey got, got in, in there. there. And got equipment. Yeah. Like, don't they lock that stuff up? Maybe that's what Feeney was doing there, was trying to get the qu- equipment locked up. But then still, I, they say the why. So I'm assuming the YMCA. Yeah, I mean, what else? What else yeah. could you assume? But so there's a staff that would probably lock up uh-huh. that pool. Yeah, how's he How's he doing it? I don't know. But I mean, Sean did teach Corey how to pick a lock when they were babies. Oh, yeah. So this is a valuable skill that he has. It's that that Tommy Pickle screwdriver. (laughs) Let me just take care of this and steal the the Duba from out of here. Yeah. um, He's livid. He sends him on his way. And he's like, this is a half-baked scheme. No. No, it was fully baked. It was fully baked. (laughs) Um, He he clops off. He's got the big wet fins on. Yeah. Which is funny. Uh Uh-huh. Which is funny. It's always funny. Except when you're the one walking in them because it's absolutely (laughs) terrible. Uh, that's probably true. I don't think I've ever actually worn fins like that. Uh-huh. It's awful. Um, that's why you see divers just like put them on and then splash back into the water mm. because they're not made to be walked around in. No, I would assume not, especially not on like a beach or something. But anyway, uh, and then uh, we cut to Corey getting home. Apparently, Feeney like didn't give him a ride or anything. Yeah, just like sent him home. I think just feels irresponsible. Maybe the Y is super close, like. Like, just down the street from their house. Just down the street. I mean, they don't give Corey a ride to the Y, either. But you got to assume he went to the school before he went to I the I guess y. that's true. We don't know what day of the week it is. Yeah. So, um, Corey gets home. The mom tells a very funny joke about... Mm-hmm. It's like, you could have been killed. Or like, what if you died? Now I'm going to kill you. Yes. <laughs> Uh, classic mom i'm so glad you're alive now Now i'm going to kill you you. Uh and then uh he explains that he lost the gloves and alan's like i don't care about those gloves he's like yes you do he's like well okay i guess i do but i care more about you yeah like he doesn't care about them in comparison to his love for Corey. Uh uh-huh which is sweet yeah Uh uh-huh and then mr feeney comes he says he got the gloves like he found the gloves um they're just in the the filter little filter uh, which is why Corey didn't check that first i don't know he probably doesn't know there is a pool filter i guess that's true and where you would go to find it so he gave him the gloves back Corey just gives them to his dad and is like you take these i don't deserve them well you're 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 missing my favorite maybe part of the entire episode yes Corey wraps mr feeney in a hug and his eyes go (laughs) wide he's like how did i get here we'll pretend it never happened Which is very funny. Oh, those two. Yeah, they're great together. Mm-hmm. I and don't know if I like Corey and Feeney more or Eric and Feeney more. I think going on, I will like Eric and Feeney more. Mm-hmm. So far, there hasn't been much yeah. Eric and Feeney. There's been like two moments, yeah. really, that they've had a strong, like, good chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, but right now, I'm definitely a Corey cory and feeney fan and um that's i mean that's the episode yeah he gives him so back Corey to his dad. gives him back to his dad and he's like give these back to me on the most important day of my life so that's like well when will that be he's like whatever day you give them to me yeah now is there do they bring these gloves back up in girl means world i don't remember i guess we don't technically know that because yeah we're but i don't think that they do i don't i don't think they do you either so i guess that day never yeah because i wrote down here when do you think Corey got the gloves back well, not at the birth of his daughter or son. Or not, his wedding day. Not at his wedding day. Not when he turned 18. Or 16. Or 16 or 21 for that matter. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe Morgan got them. Maybe maybe when they got their first apartment in New York or something yeah, like that. Yeah, maybe. We'll have to keep 
glove watch yeah. out there just to see if maybe we can see him. We're not going to. No. <laughs> um, but I, I've seen Girl Meets World. I feel like they might be referenced. Just like a slight reference? Me- re- referenced once. Maybe. I'm not sure. We'll have to, we'll have to pay attention. Whenever but. we get there, I'm sure we'll obviously know. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, so that's the episode. Oh, there is the ending uh, epilogue, ending stinger, whatever, mm-hmm. with uh, the with Alan giving Morgan oh, yes. a horse. Uh-huh. Did you win this horse when you were in the Navy? Like, no. <laughs> no. He explains like you bought it for her. What? Then why is this important? Because you wanted it and I bought it for you. Did you get this Did you horse? win this horse in the Navy? Yes. Because <laughs> again, lion's okay. As long as it like, makes you feel good. Which is what the, it's the feeling that Alan was chasing. He's like, maybe a little bit I wanted to give him a gift so that I would get like this Kodak moment. Mm-hmm. Which goes against the ethics established in the gift giving episode. Like that's not why you give gifts. Yeah. To get a feeling in return. Alan. Alan. Mm, disgusts me. Um, so who's your MVP for this episode? I didn't even write one down. See, I think Corey. He learns a lot. Uh-huh. The hug with Mr. He really carries funny. it a lot. Uh, the the comedic MVP is Eric, but he doesn't just doesn't have enough. He's of, just not a presence. Yeah, he's just not a presence enough. Um, for the. The Duba, the from now on I'll be insulting you and for uh-huh. hugging Mr. Feeney at the end. I gotta go with Corey. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, what did you name it? I named it Boy Meets Muscle, Sh- Muscle Shirt. Oh, I also went comedic. I said Boy Meets Andy. <laughs> Something, <laughs> Something creepy, creepy under boat. boat. Andy. Andy. Boy Meets Andy. I kind of like Boy Meets Andy. <laughs> oh, I my first thought was Boy Meets Scuba. And then I'm like, that's too obvious. Boy Meets Duba. <laughs> Boy Meets Duba. That's a good one. Uh-huh. What do you think? What's the official? Boy Meets World Fever Boy time. Meets Andy. Boy Meets Andy. Something creepy underboat. Andy. Um, and yeah, I think that's all for this episode. Uh-huh. What I did you like rate we... it? Oh, yeah. Uh, I gave it a 7.5. Hey, me too. I was at an 8, but then I was like, the stuff I really love, namely the kids interacting with each other, just isn't there enough. Yeah. Well, and I think this episode is important. And I'll tell you what. I think that this episode really cements the formula. Like, we've had kind of the formula on and off. We've had... The formula was pretty good in Corey's Alternative Friends, which was the first time we really saw the formula of what the show would become. Um, I think Model Family is a great, great showing of the formula. I think uh, Fugitive, maybe not so much. It's like maybe the the Breaking the Formula episode that happens every once in a while. Mm -hmm. But I think this episode is just... I think it is kind of a precursor to what will come. Uh Like, I really think this is my new benchmark of this is a great boy meets world great but average boy meets world episode Does it's that make got sense? heart it's got humor yeah it's got a lot of interactions with the kids still too much with the family mm-hmm. um which feels mean to say but it does because i feel like amy and alan are really great tv parents they are but this show isn't like say like home improvement where the focus of the show is Tim the tool man Taylor. Mm-hmm. And then the kids are just like the bonus extra. Or even like um, like Family Matters. Well, the, the Family Matters was very much an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Everyone, well, until Urkel takes the whole thing mm-hmm. over. but Yeah, but he, and we're going to talk next week more about Family Matters because it's important with kind of the way the show goes. Actually, we'll get into it next week as we talk about the finale of season one. I have no idea what he's talking about, so... Well, just wait, because I've been doing some reading. Little teaser. Buckle up, everybody. But I just feel like in those, like, the family's important. Yeah. And in all sorts of TV shows, 
even like the Cosby show, all sorts of other shows. It's like the family is what it's about. And Boy Meets World is a little different in that it is like the primetime show, but it's about the kids. Yeah. And like coming from the, this, you have like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which is, I mean, you have her aunts, Hilda and Zelda, but yeah, it's, definitely it's about her about and her friends. The and the magical hijinks that she gets into. Well, I think that's I think that's really important too because it's literally focusing on the point in someone's life where they start pulling away from their family mm-hmm. and start making their own quote unquote world. Yeah, at least in like American culture. Yeah, where you know you start hanging out with your mom and dad less and start. So I I really think the show is at its best when it's focusing on Corey's world. Mm-hmm. Corey's yeah, friends. Yeah, like that's the world he is meeting. Yeah, and he comes back to his parents' world from time to time. Um, which we might actually see a reversal of that in Girl Meets World. I'm not sure. I haven't critically examined it. We'll figure it out when we get there. But it Still might... got a ways to go. Yep. But anyway, so yeah, I think this is a really important episode. I just don't think... I think it's the new the new benchmark, the new standard. Uh-huh. It's a 7.5. Yeah. So um, great episode. Not the best um, we'll probably be fairly low seated in our end of the year tournament. Probably middle, I yeah. think. Um, All right. So and that is that episode. So let's move on. Let's move on to episode, episode one. 120. We're here. Episode 120 to play is the thing. The plays that the episode 120. Did you ever think we would get to episode 120? No. I know. 120 episodes. No, I'm just joking. Uh, We are almost done with season one. I can't believe it. Um, The play's the thing, and it is your summary. It is my summary. So, it is playtime at Jefferson Elementary School, and the class is going to be doing a play, some select readings from Hamlet, Mm -hmm. and Corey is chosen to be Hamlet, and he kind of goes for it, doesn't like the costume he has to wear or the flowery language of Shakespeare, and decides he's going to quit. Um, being Hamlet in the play, just quit the play. Um, at the same time, um, they're gonna they're supposed to be taking a family trip, Corey and his family, but there was just some cutbacks on salary at the grocery store where his dad works, and so they had to cancel the trip. And Corey's trying to give his dad advice of like, you should quit your job, and like that'll really show him, or threaten to quit, and they'll bring you back. Um, so it's kind of navigating that sort of idea yeah. of quitting. And Minkus is a delight, and also a terror. Yes, a terror, a terrific delight, a terrific delight. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good uh, summary. Um, This is a mixed bag episode for me. Uh And I think the reason for that is honestly what we were just talking about. When it's focused on the play, I'm in. Mm -hmm. When it's focusing on their goofy golf tournament, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, it just... The uh, emotional investment wasn't there for me. Yeah. In that regard. Like, it's a nice moment again. And I was just saying, like, Alan and Amy are such really good TV parents. And they are. Like, they're like upper echelon, I would say, Mm -hmm. of TV parents. But I'm just not interested in all. There's, like, scenes where it's just the two of them talking. And I was, like, honestly kind of bored. Yeah. Well, and I think think they are great at seeming like parents. And they're great. But they're not comedic. Uh And, like, this is a real problem. Like, not to say, like, we're adults, and this is a real problem, like, taking pay cuts. Like, you're a teacher. You don't get paid enough. Like, I have lots of jobs, and, mm-hmm. like, I have money problems. But I'm not, I'm not watching Boy Meets World for that. Yeah. This isn't the CW. <laughs> Well, the CW will always have all the money you need. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, if we had a gritty reboot, there's hey, hey. drugs in there somewhere, probably. But, but yeah, so I'm just not, I'm not yeah, here just for it. It doesn't feel 
good. Yeah, but the again the first ep- scene in the classroom uh-huh. I think is great. It's wonderful because again we have all four kids mm-hmm. in there. Topanga doesn't do as much as I would like in well, this. Well, she just has an excellent line. Yeah. Um. So, but it's funny though because Mr. Feeney comes in and says, "Everyone, give me your most like dramatic, disappointed sigh." Yeah. And it was like, "Ah." I did watch. Minkus doesn't sigh. So I'm glad. Uh-huh. But then he's like, we're going to be doing this, our class play. And yeah, again, everybody with me, because even Topanga. Yeah, it's like, Topanga. <laughs> that was, I took note of that too. I was like, wait, why is Topanga so? Yeah, she's very into Mr. Fiend. She's just like, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah. Which is really funny. I, w- I was actually thinking like this whole like, all right, everybody get out your most agonized sigh. And then saying some, them saying something, them all sighing again and saying, uh, uh, you're repeating yourselves or something like that. Is that, that something you would would I, you do? I in, want to now. You would do in your classroom. It's really funny. It's just about the little things that bring you joy in yeah. the midst of difficult times. Um. So he explains that their play is going to have sword fights and murder and ghosts uh-huh. and skulls and everyone's really into it. And he's like, sounds like Spielberg. Sounds, sounds like, like Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Um. And apparently they're really down on Shakespeare. I don't ever remember being down on Shakespeare. Well, I do have to say, reading Hamlet in the sixth grade, it's a little much. Yeah, that's true. And even, we already said this about Romeo and Juliet, and I think Hamlet is more... And Edgar Allan Poe, I would say. Yeah, keep like more like mature, a lot darker. Mm-hmm. Like, and not that Romeo and Juliet is sunshine and daisies, but kind of compared to like, like there's a character that literally kills herself, yeah. like goes crazy and kills herself in Hamlet. And the whole time Hamlet's like, should I die? Should I just die and like be done with it? Mm-hmm. And then I don't have to worry about it anymore. While his uncle is like marrying his mom. And it's just like all sorts of weird. If you would like to know the plot of Hamlet, go watch The Lion King and come back. It's on Disney Plus, just like this show. Just like this show. There's lots of other... Hamlet, I think it's a popular story. Yeah. I mean, you could also just read or watch Hamlet. I think there's a Mel Gibson version. Was there? I've never seen a version of Hamlet. It's really, it's it's good. I just know what happens. I really enjoyed reading Hamlet. My intention was to read it again before we talked about it here, but that didn't happen. No, you've been playing too much Xenoblade. Um, anyway. More grad school than anything. Yeah. Uh, it's true. Um, yeah. So he gives them all the books. He assigns them their parts. He doesn't have tryouts. Mm-hmm. Which is weird. Yeah. Um, I feel like he's very mean to Sean. Very few lines to memorize. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. Yeah. Kind of smart. And, uh, and then he, um, assigns Lady Ophelia to Topanga a challenging role because she goes quite insane. Mm-hmm. Of course. Like, what well, doesn't seem, I don't forget exactly what he says. Topanga insane? And then she turns around. Yeah, she turns around and says, if I was a less evolved person, I would say, cram it, Brillo head. <laughs> which I wrote down, Topanga MVP? Question mark? Maybe. Which, it's just a wonderful callback to Corey's alternative friends. Yep. Because he thinks they call him Brillo head. Yep. He's, uh, Maybe in the actual timeline, this comes before that. See, I don't know. I don't know. Because her understanding that insecurity of his. I guess that's true. Her understanding. Like, it's coming out right yeah. I and I they have to be close together though yeah but I honestly think this actually kind of makes sense to me like Topanga turning around and saying that because she's kind of just been taking it for a while mm-hmm. <laughs> like she growled at him at teacher's bet like there's a few things that happened but maybe it just built up to where Topanga's yeah, just like she's... just shut up yeah 
You little Brillo head, <laughs> whitest white boy. Yeah. That was more of a Sean thing. Um, so, very mm. funny moment from Topanga. Yeah. Minkus is cast as Polonius. Polonius. And even though he thinks he should be the melancholy Dane. Uh-huh. I remember when we read this, because I feel like whenever we would read Shakespearean plays, or any sort of play in class, like, everybody would be assigned a part. And I read Polonius. Oh. I remember that for some, like, I feel like he was kind of funny. He says the line, like, brevity is the soul of wit. You know, so it's meaning, like, being brief in your speech is the key to having wit. But what's really funny about that line is it's like, he doesn't stop there. He's like, brevity is the soul of wit, and now I'm going to keep talking. And so it's, like, really clever and funny. I'm just like... He thinks this is what it is to be funny, but he's not doing that. He's being very verbose. Okay. <laughs> it's hilarious, people. <laughs> it was just very deep. I only ever did, like, part reading, kind of for class. Mm-hmm. I only ever did Romeo and Juliet, and I did Romeo's part uh, in the uh, Tybalt Romeo duel. So I got to memorize the whole Alive and Triumph and Mercutio slain. I got to memorize <laughs> that whole thing, um, which I still have memorized. Maybe I'll do it sometime. But, uh, and then I also helped a girl I had a crush on with her lines as Juliet and I'm such an audible learner do you know all those parts too that well so for they had the balcony scene her her group did and I know Juliet's part in the balcony scene I feel like that a lot of people do better than I know Romeo's part even though I was reading Romeo's lines for her like I'm such an audible learner that hearing her do it over and over again um, mm-hmm. means I have her part in that uh me- memorized better so yeah that's but I never we we read um we read Summer Night's Dream, but we didn't do it with parts. Mm-hmm. I feel like just overall, I have a more positive feelings toward Shakespeare than oh yeah Dickens. I I have pretty good associations for Shakespeare. Shakespeare for me was always war and yeah, they're just very interesting stories. Yeah, um, they so, seem like dense and hard to understand, but I think especially seeing them performed mm-hmm. really brings them to life in a good way, which we see later yeah, in this episode. Yeah, maybe that's true. I just I, I feel like they're way too down on Shakespeare uh-huh. for students, but, but yeah. So, but also they're in sixth grade, and so that's like we're gonna read War and Peace. What? <laughs> no, I'm surprised that Mr. Feeney didn't break that out over the course of this school year. Yeah, no joke. So let's read some Tolstoy, everybody. Completely academically inappropriate. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. They should not be doing Hamlet this early. But they are, and we have to accept that. Yep. It is what it is. So um, then we cut to, or I guess we don't cut to yet. We have to assign Hamlet, who uh-huh. gets on a lot of people's nerves and doesn't shut up. And over the course of Mr. Feeney saying that, everybody turns to look at Corey. Yes. It's just like, Mr. Feeney's <laughs> kind of being a bully. <laughs> Yes, he is. But a very funny and effective bully. Doesn't make it right. (laughs) Um, Mm. Yeah, so it's a very funny scene with Corey going like, do I have a booger? <laughs> Everyone's, <laughs> Everyone's looking at him. Oh, do I have a booger? Um, so he gets the lead role, Hamlet, and then we cut to him playing golf uh-huh, with Morgan, Morgan, which is like very funny. Yeah, Morgan's just, funny. Morgan's funny. Yeah, he's like because like every year they go on a vacation to the Jersey Shore and they have a goofy golf tournament, which I guess is just mini golf. But like, what, what you think of when you think of mini golf portrayed in shows? Mm-hmm. I feel like I played a lot of mini golf. Well, I I say a lot many times. I I played mini golf and never is it very exciting or intricate in terms of the course layout but apparently this is like lots of windmills and fun tubes and all sorts of stuff that you hit the ball down um but they have a tournament where amy and eric are a team and Corey and alan are a team 
mm-hmm. and Amy and Eric always win. Yeah. And Corey's like, this year their winning streak is over. And he puts the ball and Morgan goes and kicks it before it gets in the hole. And she's just like, over, over there. there. <laughs> and it's, it was just really funny. Morgan's over there. I wrote it down too. I was like, Morgan's over there. Um, this isn't much of a scene. We cut back to the school. Uh, Corey is reading his part, mm-hmm. uh, his Hamlet part. He does call himself Allowance Boy. Oh, yeah. Because Eric is asking to borrow some money. I ca- actually completely forgot about Eric coming and saying he'd throw the Goofy Golf Tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't refer to himself like, I am Allowance Boy. He's like, I'm Allowance Boy. What are you doing asking yeah. me for money? He said Scuba Boy at the, uh-huh. at the last one. So, again, this... Um. Uh. What do you call it? Uh. Attempted a catchphrase uh-huh. that just doesn't catch on. Doesn't catch on. I'm glad it didn't. Yeah. Me too. I'm glad all of Corey's catchphrases didn't catch on. Uh-huh. Um. But yeah. So and this whole that whole part of the scene is to establish that the market giant has taken a five percent mm-hmm. pay cut every yeah. month. Um. Which is significant. Yeah. That's. I mean. That's definitely something that would really suck. Um, then we cut to the school. Corey's reading all of his lines for Hamlet. And as he's reading them, he's just blah, 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 blah. Yeah, he's not having a good time. Yeah, and he wrote, and he turns to Feeney, he's like, who wrote this? And Mr. Feeney makes a, a comment that I always thought was sarcastic, saying, well, some people say uh, a lot of people wrote it together, but I don't subscribe to that theory. And Minkus says, I uh, subscribe to the... Francis Bacon theory. Francis Bacon theory, which I was like, okay, I guess I've got to look this up so i did so boy it's time to educate you guys on shakespearean authorship theory shakespeare corner so shakespeare is from a place called stafford on avon stafford upon avon yes stafford upon avon yes and there are a whole wing of shakespeare theorists called anti-Staffordians Staffordians sure Mm -hmm. why not Um, and anti-Staffordians all believe that Shakespeare did not write his plays there are over do they think he dreamed them no they don't believe Shakespeare was a person that existed ah the old it was never well I I don't know that there was a person who was William Shakespeare but he didn't write the plays or anything he was just the finger point um, because there's like we have record of his parents and we have record of his daughters um but there is evidence to suggest that both his parents and daughters were illiterate um and there's not good evidence it's all based on signatures that we have from them Mm -hmm. um basically like where would he have learned to read and why did he not teach his daughters to read yes it seemed to me going through Kevin Bacon is actually the second most. You mean Francis Bacon? Fra- Francis Bacon. Is- <laughs> Kevin oh, Bacon. Oh boy! And no one in all of England is allowed to dance. <laughs> no one. But then, um, yes, Francis Kevin Bacon. Bacon comes. So Francis Bacon is the second most likely person uh, that they, that these conspiracy theorists let's call them what they are believe uh he was a earl of some sort and earl of sandwich. No, the BLT. No. <laughs> not Earl of Sandwich, not BLT. But he was an Earl, and I guess it would have been politically damaging for him to be a playwright. So he said his name was William Shakespeare, and he was like, oh, no, that guy over there, he wrote them. Like, so, finger pointing. He's actually, like I said, the second most popular person. Um, he was, the most popular person is Edward Vaughn something. It doesn't really matter. L- look up these theories. They're 
interesting-ish, um, but none of them started until the 1800s. And all of it seems to be, well, someone who wrote something so beautiful and so wonderful had to be someone of exceptional breeding and aristocracy. Yeah, so you have real strong, like, classist sort of yeah. notions. So the whole biography of Shakespeare being written by uh, the a son of a glover, yeah. who was a person who makes gloves. Makes sense. Um, is something that in the 1800s, they just weren't buying. Mm -hmm. They just, they weren't buying it. So it seems very classist, very like, well, he knows things about high society and he knows about history and he knows about other lands and he knows about mythology and he couldn't have done this if he was a commoner. So that mm. is the main reasoning behind. Rude. So I'm going to throw it out there. If he really does subscribe to the Francis Bacon theory, Minka's kind of classist. I'm just saying. But that fits with Binkus. <laughs> Binkus? <all>, Binkus. <laughs> twin brother of Minkus. Evil twin. E -e that twin. When we see mean Minkus, it's actually Binkus. Okay. No, Minkus. We see that from him. Because I have some theories that, especially when we get into Girl Meets World, we'll talk about. But I think Minkus is rich. Okay. He's super pro-prison. He calls Sean a deadbeat for not being able to pay the $5. <laughs> There's just some big things. He ends up having this massive corporation in his adult life. You don't really establish that without, typically, without Mad Skrilla. Without some cheddar cheese. Yeah. So, it doesn't surprise me that Minkus ascribes to the Francis Bacon theory. I'm just saying. It's real classist. Real classist, Minkus. Um, but yes, most Shakespearean scholars think that William Shakespeare wrote the plays. There's only like a small contingent who are anti-Staffordians. Mm -hmm. I wonder why Mr. Feeney mentioned them. Just to add a little flavor. Yeah. A little flavor text to the episode. Um, so anyway, there is my deep dive research on Shakespeare. Uh-huh. So there you go, everybody. I hope that wasn't too boring. Anyway, yeah, he's I not into it. It was delightful. <laughs> uh, Corey isn't into it. He isn't into the flowery language. He wants there to be Uzis instead of swords. <laughs> he wants the whole place set in a burning skyscraper. Uh-huh, so he could be like, um, what's his name? John claude Van Damme? I was thinking Bruce Willis. Ah, Bruce Willis. Because he mentions Bruce Willis. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking Die Hard. But then the the pin in the pin in the coffin, the the last nail uh -huh. comes. And Topanga brings in the outfits, um, and he's saying, "Here is like what your outfit would be," because we're pra like learning about the classical style. So it's like a doublet and some tights. Mm -hmm. And Corey's just like, I am not having any of that. Again, kind of showing this sort of view of masculinity that we've seen oh, throughout yes. the show. This very problematic view uh -huh. of masculinity. I'm just like, I'm just one missed trip, missed um, time hanging out with my dad away from joining ballet. Yep. Or even in the last episode where Alan doesn't talk to Corey about why the gift is important and then is confused why Corey doesn't think the gift is important. Mm -hmm. But it's just like this sort of masculine idea of men don't talk about things yeah. that are important to them or meaningful or don't talk about their emotions and only do these sorts of activities. Um, and so it just rears its head again here where Corey's like, uh-uh, I'm a guy. Yeah. Guys don't wear stuff like this. Yeah. Which I can remember in at least three more shows in the 90s, people not wanting to do plays because tights. Uh -huh. So, I mean, it was very in step with the time. But very problematic for the idea of what masculinity is. Uh -huh. Exactly. So, and so yeah, Corey's dad was the one who made them as well. And then, like, Corey says something and Sean's like, well, what do you expect your dad sews? Yeah. Or you, Topanga's dad. Yeah, Topanga's dad is the one who says. Yeah, yeah don't listen to her. Her dad sews. Mm -hmm. is the is the thing that she says um which is not okay sean <laughs> it's not okay 
Mr. Feeney, what are you, you're not educating these kids. Uh, it's true. Um, then we cut to Corey quitting. Is that uh-huh. next? Yeah, Corey, he just quits right then and there. We don't cut to anything. He's just quit. Yeah. Um, thinking, like, if I quit, no one else knows the lines. Yeah, he'll, he'll get his way. Get, I'll get my way because I'm, like, throwing my weight around. Mm-hmm. Not remembering who else is in the class. Yeah, not remembering. Well, not, not considering him a threat. Uh-huh. But then Minkus shows up. Yeah. And, and this is a new form of Minkus. In Dragon Ball Z fashion, this is maybe... His final form. Final form. <laughs> and it's drama Minkus. Mm-hmm. He's all in black. Seems very moody. And he's just like quoting Hamlet. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, Minkus knows all the lines as well. Because he's expressed. He already knew Polonius only has 48 lines. Why am I have to be Polonius? Yep. Um, uh, yeah. They're in the much better hallway set. Yeah, that- it's wider. Yeah, the wider hallway set that I think they expand into the John Adams set eventually because it definitely looks like that mm-hmm. back hallway of the John Adams For set. For sure. Um, and yeah, he's like, hey, let's go play basketball. And he's like, no, I got to go to rehearsal. Uh-huh. Even though Sean Sh- does. Yeah, even though Sean's like, oh man, it's so cool that you quit. And he's like, I'll be back with my Uzi. <laughs> so. And it doesn't happen. No, we then cut to Corey talking to his family about their not going to Goofy Golf. Uh-huh. So he's like, Dad, you can't. You got to stand up to your boss and like just tell him, like give him the what for. Yeah. Like, just trust me. This is what you have to do. Throw your weight around. And if you have to threaten to quit, do it. Mm-hmm. And like it'll, it'll pay off in the end because he still in his mind thinks that it's going to pay off. Yeah. Even though it's become pretty evident that it's not going to pay off. Yeah. I mean, not evident to him, but evident to Evident to every single other person. Yeah. Which is kind of par for the course. Yeah. Especially for Corey. Um, so yeah, he tells his dad he should quit and yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that really gets to Alan. Yeah, it really does. Um, just like strangely. Yep. The, uh, next scene is them in the, in the kitchen, in, in the kitchen at night. And Alan is like, do you think I'm a spear carrier? It's like a 12 year old boy said that to you. Come on. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> stop. And Amy gives the great advice that we've heard multiple times, sort of. It's just like the trick to raising a 12-year-old. Ignore him. Yeah, don't listen. <laughs> Which, again, does point this put place this episode here in the timeline. Yeah. Because he's referred to as being 12. Do, is he officially? I don't remember. But... Yeah, because she says this specifically the trick to raising a 12-year-old. Ignore him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this was meant to be there. And, and I don't have a problem with this being here. Um, and yeah, he, they practice talking to the d- district manager without getting angry and without uh-huh. quitting. <laughs> it's really funny. It's like, what is like that? A papaya? Were, it was a cantaloupe. I was a cantaloupe. Okay. It was like, you were rational and like, well thought out. I'm just not attracted to you anymore. That's <laughs> what Amy says to Alan. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're not being brash. I'm just not attracted to you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Which is a very funny moment. And then Alan gets his very funny moment when Alan, when Amy goes upstairs. Uh-huh. He's like, now, Bob, what I've always done, wanted, wanted to, to do. do. And he smashes him on the floor. Uh-huh. And just leaves it. Yeah, it just leaves it. That's what a the monster. crazy part. That's the crazy part. I see where Corey gets his gets his messed up ideas of gender roles. <laughs> yeah. He gets them from his dad. His dad, like the episode where Amy's like doing 500 things in the house and his dad's just like standing there like a dope wanting yeah. to get a hug and give her a flower. And here where he's making this huge mess in the kitchen floor and then just leaves it. And then later Amy says she cleaned it up the next day. Yeah. And then Corey's like, men are this way. Women are this way. It's because he learned it from his dad. His his boxing dad. Yeah. Who again, I think 
Gallant's a great dad. He's just got some wrong ideas. Yeah, he's got some messed up ideas about what's masculine and what's not masculine. Um, yeah, I have it right. I have it written down here. Um, again, the back door of this living room is yeah, open. Yeah, it's open. The entire, I wrote that in too. It is wide open. Why? I mean, we are in late spring in the Northeast. Generally, nice weather. You want to open that door, let the air in. But what about bugs? There's, bugs don't really become... They're not, bugs aren't in the Northeast. I, I don't know about Pennsylvania, Massachusetts. It wasn't. It wasn't a problem? A See, like if you did it with a screen door that or you a window sense. open, but just a just a, a door to the house, like just a open. French door open to the back, whatever. Yeah, I, I just, again, I could not take my eyes off this open door. I'm just like, close door. Um, maybe this is a me thing. Maybe because I've always grown up in the Great Plains where there are bugs aplenty. Bugs and wind. And wind. You just don't don't open your door like that. Just don't. Yeah. I think it must be a regional thing. But yeah, so they've, they're having this talk this whole time um, with the door open. And then uh, we have the night scene, like we said. And then the next scene is back at the school uh-huh. uh, with Corey talking to Sean. Yep, Corey's talking to Sean. Sean comes and he's dressed like Polonius. And it's just hilarious looking. He's just got this big like big belly yeah that's apparently inflatable inflatable belly we'll get to that yeah but he's just like it's a lot more lines but i get to do this and then like yeah does his death scene yeah he gets he gets to boss around spear carriers which he likes Uh uh-huh yeah just a little power uh you know this is kind of a prelude to artsy sean like because he's into it oh yeah he's there for it yeah he is he is into it um which is kind of weird that Corey's not like oh maybe it is maybe it's cooler than i thought it Mm -hmm. was i don't i don't know he's still so down on it yeah he still is just not there for it maybe lord of the rings hadn't come out yet and fantasy hadn't been made cool yet i don't know maybe but (laughs) Dragonheart with dennis quaid but then it is revealed minkus is method acting yes and it's terrible yeah he's not wearing his glasses yeah so i think this is maybe maybe michael jacobs knew a method actor and really hated him (laughs) so he made minkus be a method actor and be terrible because everybody is fed up with minkus yeah in this moment like he's uh just to set the scene real quick they're rehearsing the the play Uh uh-huh they're rehearsing the play and minkus is for some reason facing backwards Uh in the ophelia's tomb very dramatically yeah. Um, and then turns around and you realize he doesn't have his glasses on. Mm-hmm. Like Mr. Feeney has to catch him because he's about to just walk off the stage. Yeah. Which is very funny physical comedy. Uh-huh. And I love Mr. Minkus. Why aren't you facing the audience? Am I not? Yeah. Then he turns around, but he's like, glasses, like this is the Middle Ages and glasses weren't invented yet. I did some research. Well, one, Shakespeare wasn't Middle Ages. Yeah. So if they're rehearsing the classical period, that's post-Middle Ages. Yeah. But even so, the first... Um, recorded glasses, at least in Europe, we have in 1290 in Italy. Yeah. So that was like a center of some culture of Western Europe. So the idea of glasses having disseminated to Britain by the time of... Well, Denmark. Well, I'm thinking even just of existing in Shakespeare's time. Yeah. Well, Minkus isn't doing it because it wouldn't have been right for when Hamlet I guess that's true. But still, they would have existed probably. Yeah, probably. Even 1290. Like they would have by that point, I think, have been widespread enough. And that's just one figure. There's like estimates that they've existed even before that in like Asia. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there's um, some writings that suggest Archimedes had glasses or had done it, and that's... Like a death ray. <laughs> like the death ray, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Library of Alexandria death ray. Um, but yeah, there's like, yeah, there's thoughts that Archimedes had glasses and stuff. So yeah, there's probably... 
mm-hmm. glasses and so I don't know what Minkus is doing. It's funny. It's funny. But Minkus is smarter than that. And then he wonders if he should change his accent uh-huh. because He's like Middle I read English. that Middle English was kind of like American Southern. So. Shazam. Yeah. Which why he says says Shazam? I don't know. I don't know either. I'm I'm a comic book guy, so Shazam. Billy Batson turns into well, Captain Marvel. I'm thinking because in Andy Griffith. Oh, do they say Shazam? Uh-huh. In Andy There's Griffith? a character um, Gomer Pyle who's sort of this again another like very hayseed kind of hick who ends up getting his own tv show called gomer pile usmc where he joins the marine corps but he says shazam is kind of his catchphrase but he's got a very like thick southern accent so shazam is kind of a was the creator of, was the creator of andy griffith a fan of fawcett I mean, comics maybe. at the time who knows who can say but Captain that's Marvel's way older than that's andy more what he is i think referencing mm. in that regard than the comic because that doesn't make sense yes but there is that particular tv character that would use that as his catchphrase and he was very southern oh okay i didn't know that well it's very funny uh he might have been goober pile his brother brother cousin i don't know <laughs> you... when gomer left the show goober kind of took over you have told me more about andy griffith today than i have ever known so you're welcome <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he's got his hand, his, uh, foot on Topanga for some reason uh-huh. that I don't even understand. He still doesn't have his glasses on though, does he? No, but she even says, Minkus, I can't breathe. He's like, stick to the script, babe. <laughs> he just zero to 100 in the complete full of himself direction. Yeah. Um, Corey is watching all of this uh-huh. and he's like, Mr. Feeney, I'll do you a favor. I'll come back. Uh-huh. He's like, it's too late. Like everybody's already all set. You've missed it. Which this, I feel like you're seeing the good teacher of Mr. Feeney, like letting Corey learn the lesson. Yep. Not just rescuing him and making it okay. Like he's not really learning the Shakespeare, but he's learning the greater life lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is one of the clearer morals. If you ask me what the moral of kid gloves is, I'm not sure. Um, I guess there really isn't one, right? If you give someone a gift that is unclear, make sure it's clear. Yeah. So they don't uh, lose it. Um, you're worth more to your parents than items. I don't know. It's not It's not a super clear moral. Don't go diving by yourself. Don't go about diving by yourself. Exactly. Um, but I think the, the, the moral of this one is very clear. Corey needs to learn that actions have consequences. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you can't just like quit things that you don't like necessarily. Sometimes you should, but not always. Sometimes there's people counting on you. Yeah, I was about to say, you can't quit things if when people are counting on you and expect to for everything to just be hunky-dory uh-huh. um so yeah i think i think it's a pretty clear moral and mr feeney lets that moral sit with him and he's like mr feeney this just isn't cool like if this was cooler i would have done it and mr feeney turn off turns off the lights and <gasps> who mr feeney <laughs> what are you doing to me just freaks Corey's bean. Yeah, he. In this moment. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure William Daniels is a uh-huh. like a classically trained yeah, actor. I was reading because he has a, a bio- I don't know, a bio- autobiography or a memoir that mm-hmm. he's written where he like explains part of his draw to do Boy Meets World was like the Shakespeare element, like, yeah. especially in the first episode, which is funny to read because we've already pointed out that he does it wrong. <laughs> yeah, he, he just says Shakespeare wrong in that episode. Uh-huh. But like he has a really strong like Shakespeare connection, which was a draw to doing the show for him mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean you see it here like he does a, like a phenomenal job yeah he does he does a great job it is a great scene uh i wrote mr feeney mvp question mark after that i'm thinking so uh, but then he just finishes like Corey is just like white-faced yeah frightened by the things that mr feeney's saying and then mr feeney just stops he has the spear in Corey's face and he stops and he's just like of course i'm no steven seagal <laughs> yeah yeah 
And uh, yeah, it's a great moment. Like you said, I think seeing it performed really makes it come alive. And Corey now understands like he doesn't get to be a part of this really cool thing because of his own selfishness. So, you know, he takes takes a uh-huh. smaller role. I yeah. mean, we don't see that, but we know it happens. Uh-huh. We know it happens. Yeah. And it's funny, though, because we even just were talking like when Alan was like, am I a spear carrier? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what even is this connection? And then at the end, when it like Alan comes, and he's just talked to his boss and turns out like he didn't yell at his boss. He told him like what was up, but didn't really change anything. Yeah. But then Corey's like, well, just like you or you or this. And I was leading the play. Okay. They're not connected at all. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you were the boss of people. And I was in charge of, I was the lead of the play. Those two things are completely unrelated. Yeah. And like, so the show even points that out as a joke, like this isn't our best writing. <laughs> this yeah. isn't our best effort here. Yeah. It's a good thing. It's a good thing for Corey to learn. Um, and, you know, Alan kind of cements the lesson by doing it the right way. I mean, questionably the right way. There's talks of, you know, if you're being mistreated, sometimes you got to make some waves. Mm-hmm. Um, but Corey was not being mistreated and people like were counting on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alan's thinking of that too. Like I want to do right by my employees, but also I don't want to get fired yeah, or potentially hurt the people that work for me as well. Yeah, and him like quitting would have really served nobody. Um, But if he thought there was some real injustice going on and he quit, that would have been a different story. Um, But the the show doesn't really tackle yeah, that that's big not the of an point idea. of this episode. Yeah, we're we're a kids show. <laughs> yeah, it's we're not we're not going to get into the complications of it. Um, just know that there's maybe like a deeper route it could have gone. But mm-hmm. so then they end up. Turns out they set up a goofy golf course in the backyard. Yeah. So they're still going to get to have their family moment. Yeah, their thing. Uh, Alan cheated on one of the holes. I uh-huh. guess. I guess set it up where it's like if you hit it. It's like two pipes, one leading in two sides of the side. It's like, if you go for this one, You'll get it's going to go in the hole right mm-hmm. away. And apparently there's a hole like that at the other course, and it's set up the opposite way where the different pipe is technically the good one. Oh, I didn't so he like flipped it to uh, trick them. I didn't even get that part, but sure. <laughs> yeah, they set up a golf course in the backyard, um, and they're going to have their family time. And I know I'm supposed to be, aw, but I'm just like, it's like okay. Okay. I mean, what are the stakes here? Like, I don't know. Like I said, the family stuff in this episode, maybe more than any other episode. It feels really unnecessary. Yeah, it feels really tacked on. And it may just be because I am so invested in what's going on at the school. Uh-huh. Like, I would have loved to see more Tyrannical Minkus. I would have loved for Topanga to get Didn't a little bit more. Anything. Yeah, uh, to have anything except for her one killer line. Uh-huh. Um, I would have loved to see more of that. Would have loved to explore Sean getting into the play more. But instead, like, goofy golf. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like, this isn't what anybody wants. Yeah, um, and it's not a bad episode. It's definitely not a bad episode, but mm-hmm. the, the the title says it all. The play's the thing. Yeah, why isn't the reference play, to Shake. Why isn't the play the whole thing? Um, and maybe you are really here for the family stuff, listener. And I, I get that. I just don't agree. I mean, you can be. There's clearly both of them here. Yeah. So maybe you're like, I loved the Alan struggling with his spear carrier nature. Um, yeah. And then them spending time together as a family. Yeah, I just don't, I agree with Chance. I don't feel like that's the thing that the show does best. No. And they definitely move away from it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, we're getting to the point where it's going to be all about Corey and the friends with the uh-huh. family is like seasoning. And I think that's just right. Uh-huh. I think it's just right. Agreed. So um, then we have our little stinger at the end where they're at the play. Corey's in it. He's a spear carrier. Yep. Um, he's proud of being a he's spear proud carrier. of being a spear carrier trying to embolden his fellow spear 
beer carrier to have yeah. some pride. They do an important role, even though it's small. Yeah. There's no small parts, only small actors. I don't think he says that. But Is there a part in Hamlet where Ophelia and Polonius are still alive and in the same room with Hamlet? Who can say? They're just doing select scenes. So. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. It's probably an earlier scene before the two of them die. Uh-huh. Tragically. Um, <laughs> yeah. But... So they're they're doing one of the scenes. Everyone's there, and he's like, "Make the part your own." And the spear carrier, who who is this kid? Why is he uh-huh. here? Was he on all that? Oh, I don't. He I don't looked know. very familiar. Yeah, I didn't look up who he was. Like he's worse than a third seat boy or like a death seat kid. Like uh-huh. he's like literally in this one scene. Maybe someone really just needed a SAG card for a kid actor. Yeah, I don't I know. So. Um, but he Corey says that to him and says, "Make it your own." And so he just goes and takes his spear and pops Sean's big Polonius belly. Yep. Which causes everybody to start fighting and like bickering with each other. So Corey just goes and like... Including Topanga fighting. Yeah, which is crazy. But, I mean, have you ever been in a play? Uh, There's just a lot lot of emotions... Yeah. Um, so, but Corey comes and like just pushes everybody off the stage with his spear. And then it's just like <laughs> yeah. flexing. And... He won. Which is very entertaining. I'd uh, I would have loved to have been there. <laughs> I would have loved it. Um, and that's that's the episode. That's it. I feel like we talked a lot more about the first episode. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel like it was better. Yeah. It was a better episode. Uh, you didn't give a question for this one. I Well, you sort of answered it just a second ago. I was going to ask if you were ever in a play. Oh. I was never in a play. No. He was never in a play. I auditioned for the dad and Anne Frank ones. Oh, okay. Um, I remember being in like little ones like at church. Probably my biggest claim to fame was in the sixth grade, like Corey. We did a dinner theater for the school um, of Oklahoma and I played Judd, which if you know Oklahoma, Judd is the villain in Oklahoma. Really shady guy. You know, I've lived here for a decade. I should probably know the play Oklahoma. Yeah, you, it's it's not bad. The music's very good. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, so I that was the role that I played. I don't think I ever have done a play since then. I think it'd be fun. Now you and I have kind of done a play together, sort of. Like lip syncing? No, I was thinking um, murder mystery nights. Oh yes, we did. That was like we did like a big murder mystery kind of dinner. Yeah, we did two together. Uh huh. And mm-hmm. I directed both of them. I wasn't really a character. A character. Just, it was a lot of fun. I think my secret desire there is no time, and I don't think I have the skill of just like being in a musical. I know there's opportunity for that here where we live which is like the sooner theater and stuff and it'd be really cool like i'd love to be like in les mis or something okay but uh i don't i don't see that as happening let's do it let's be in les mis or yes. something i would you can be jean valjean and i'll be javert cool let's do it i don't know when we're gonna do this but cool um it, it'll never happen yeah so i was thinking about that when or tevye saying... and fiddler on the roof oh i know that from gilmore girl uh yeah i am not i am not well seasoned in play I've listened to the Hamilton soundtrack a bunch. Well, as you should. Um, you were making a wicked reference a few days ago uh-huh. that I just wasn't I sang getting. like the first three minutes of Defying Gravity, both parts beautifully, and Chance just looked at me puzzled. Yeah, I got nothing. I, I would love to have done more theater, um, but I've always been poor. Theater is not a thing. Yeah, it's not super accessible. I've been to... I've been to Grease Live. I've been to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory Live. Um, both like high school productions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's there's that. Let us know if you've ever been in a play. Yeah, let us Major know. Major starring role. Let us know if you've ever been in a play. I did. I... If you got any hot leads in central Oklahoma for <laughs> either of those roles that I mentioned, let me know. I don't know why you would. I did. I do think our our uh, our dinner theater um, 
murder mystery party. I think that counts. Yeah, that's fun. I got a few credits to my name. Yeah. I was supposed to be a character in the first one, but we realized halfway in, we really needed someone directing the action. So that became me. And then I was just the director the second mm-hmm. year. So I had really nasty long hair and I tried to pull it back in a ponytail for that. And it was disgusting. I feel like you're mocking my nasty long no, hair. No, yours yeah. is fine. You pull it off very well. I looked absolutely gross. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, all right, so this episode, who is your MVP? MVP, I think it's Feeney. I think it's got to be Feeney after the... The Shakespeare scene the Shakespeare alone scene. is just like, I, oh you, my goodness. I didn't know who I was going to give it to, though. Like, I really didn't. Like, I was thinking Topanga just for her one really funny... <laughs> cram it, Brillo head. Cram it, Brillo head. I thought that was very funny. Um, but uh, Feeney after that moment and really driving home, like, maybe this is cooler than you think it is, uh-huh. you little twerp. <laughs> yeah, like saying that without saying that. Just like, yeah, of course I'm not Steven Seagal. Yeah, um, I think that moment just really cements it as Feeney. Um, no one in the family, sorry. Like I said, just didn't work. Mm-mm. So what would you name this one? Um, you know, th- I think the obvious one is Boy Meets Consequences. Uh-huh. But I, I wrote down Boy Meets Melancholy Dane. Yeah, like Boy Meets Spear Carrier. Oh, Boy Meets Spear Carrier, that's a pretty good one. Because uh-huh. that's the, the roly place. Uh-huh. I think he ends up with that and is like proud of it. Yeah, Boy Meets Spirit Carrier. I think that's good. All right, what'd you rate it? Uh, I rated it a seven. Me too. It's still better than the, the pilot because of the school stuff. Man, we just did two. We did. We're just in perfect harmony. We're in harmony. Perfect I... harm. You know, you're supposed to sing it with me. <laughs> Harmony. No, we don't. I it. got nothing. No. I don't know what we're doing. Um, I'm just feeling the musical theater right now. It oh. talks about Amy singing show tunes and how Corey hates it, which again I think is a very stereotypical. Yeah. Like. Women like show tunes, and men hate that women like show tunes. Am I right, Dad? Um, yeah. But show tunes are fun. Yeah, They're powerful. Are... Powerful music. Yeah. I mean, I... Experienced communally. It's just a wonderful thing. I've sang a lot of... Um, oh, what's that Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons? Jersey Boys? Yeah. I've sang a lot of that with some friends. I know. The one friend in particular. <laughs> one friend he loves in particular. that one. Uh, oh, what a night. Great song about hooking up with a hooker. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Yes. That's not what we're here to talk about tonight. <laughs> I, I think it would be difficult to rate these episodes differently. I mean, I think, like I said, I think Kid Gloves kind of set a new standard. Um, so, a, you know, a, a 7.5, like a, a solid C. And this one is a little below that standard that it set. Not mm-hmm. not terribly below that standard. Yeah, it just isn't quite there. Yeah. It could have used a lot more school yeah. and a lot less goofy golf. Yeah. The goofy golf just wasn't there for me, but still good. Still um, some very funny moments. Um, again, Topanga, Kramit Brillo had very funny and Amy, I'm just not attracted to you anymore. Uh-huh. Very uh, funny. The women of the show killing it this episode. Um, and Despite the negative male outlooks on gender roles. Yeah, problematic, but in keeping with the times that it happens in. Yeah. So next week, that's it. Yeah, we're on it on the last two. Yeah, we're on the we're on the last two. We're gonna. It's crazy to think that we've we've done sizable chunk of something. Yeah, we've done one seventh. Yeah, one seventh of Boy Meets World. Um, so that's one tenth of the whole two combined. Yeah, we're really gonna have to talk about Girl Meets World season two, and it's like. 40 episodes. episodes. Yeah. I, Yeesh. 
uh, every every season has like a certain number of episodes, but that Girls World season two is going to be something else. Yeah, I feel like modern day Disney Channel is just sort of like. Well, the weird thing is, isn't it like whatever. thirteen episodes, forty episodes, thirteen episodes, or something? No, I think there's still twenties. Oh, are there? There's a bunch of episodes of Girl Meets World. Well, anyway, um, but yeah, so we're we're almost through season one. Um, after we finish season one, miles to go before we sleep. Uh, yep. After we finish season one, we're going to do the tournament. Um, we're hoping to have the Brummies World guys on maybe for that tournament. We'd really like different perspectives as uh-huh. we're uh, rating the episodes. Um, after that, we might do like a fun one. We've talked about the gritty reboot of Boy Meets World. Like maybe trying to figure out what a gritty season one. If this one... show was on the CW, yeah. what would it be like? Or, what, what, or if Netflix decided to pick it up and do a TVMA. Yeah. Boy Meets World, did, like Boy Meets World meets Stranger Things. Did you ever do the? Uh, did you ever watch the like dramatic Fresh Prince of Bel Air trailer? I don't think I did. Oh, it's very well. It's not funny. It, it it is funny and it's not funny. It's it's funny for how unfunny it is. If that makes sense. I I, I see where you're coming from. I'll need to check it out. Yeah, um, I do love Fresh Prince. Philip Banks is another wonderful TV dad. He is. He's great. Like, epitome, I think. Wow. The epitome. It's hard for me not to go with Carl Winslow. Well, we can talk about TV dads later. Yeah. Um, Mike, Mike Heck's a good choice. But yeah, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's what we got going on. Um, my friend, uh, for our Boys Meet audience, my friend Terrace texted me and was like, you guys should do a Boys World book club where you read Feeney's biography or Daniel Fischel's biography. Yeah, we can do them both. Um, and, like, talk about it every, well, like, once a month or something. Uh-huh. So that's the only Boy Meets listeners that we've yeah. got. But so tweet at us, email us, yeah, answer at our BG World Fever, yeah. or bgworldfever at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear your opinions on these episodes, um, your opinions on the series as a whole. Um, if you have opinions on what the best episode should be, go ahead and send them to us. We'll read them. We'll talk about them on air. Um, but we will be making the final words mm-hmm. on the episode. Um, it will not be a communal thing, except it will be because is, it's all about you guys. This is not a democracy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, go ahead and uh, send all that stuff in. And this is a cheerocracy. Oh, yes. Bring it on. I haven't thought about that movie in a very long time. You should think about it more. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> maybe don't think about it. Uh, I'm still big red. And that's enough thinking about bring it on. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Um, yeah, but we're excited. Uh, next week, I think, is another great episode, meh episode, but maybe one of them will surprise us and be yeah, I like being surprised. It happens. I, I don't think so, but yeah. anything is possible. And I'm really excited. I'm really excited to get into season two. I'm really excited for the show to hit those Coming high school own, years. Yeah. yeah. Kind of leave the the boy and his family kind of place that it starts at. Um, you get a really good stable of supporting characters. Yep, we get the really good stable of supporting characters. We get um, better, more friend-centric plot lines. I think the show was originally intended to be about the middle child of a family. And maybe that just wasn't a good thing to base a show around because they definitely Because nobody it... likes the middle child. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole point. How uninteresting. Um, if you're a middle child, I'm sorry. But you know it's true because you're the middle child. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to get into season two. Um, let us know if there's anything you want us to do in our little break between season one and two. Um, it 
won't be a long break because we both really want to watch Boy Meets World. Uh-huh. So it's nice to have an excuse. Yeah, let us know. I, think I need one. Uh, I'm just sad because I can't watch it. So, uh, like I said, I've been referencing Boy Meets World, which won't happen a lot. But they have such a better sign-off than we do. They're like, remember to dream. Uh, it's whatever Feeny says at the very end of uh, Boy Meets dream, World. Try do good. Yeah, dream try do good. We're not doing that. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not there yet. And I really, I've really grown fond of saying so long, world. So long, world. <laughs>